1: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
2: Hey, welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb and this is All Ball, where um, we have some deep dive conversations with some great coaches, players, friends, fans, all kinds of different stuff. I, I wanted to... Take a little bit of a detour from some of the NBA, some of the D1 college basketball talking and and bring in Elliot Steinmetz, who is the head coach of Yeshiva University in New York. Now, if you know anything about the Maccabees, who's, of course, their mascot of Yeshiva, you know, this is a big time D3 program. Big time. Matter of fact, before the COVID shutdown, they were one of the favorites to win the Division three national championship. But for a long time, it was just kind of a... You know, a, a nondescript school known more for being orthodox and a home for rabbinical studies than it was some wellspring of basketball talent. How, how did we get from there to here? And you want us to find something interesting? How about their coach, who's a really good coach? And I've, I've heard about other podcasts talk about how they run motion, right? It's like the lost art of motion basketball. I want to have him back on at some point to talk motion basketball. But how um how about the fact that he's not a full-time coach? No, he has another job. And then he coaches how you do it I don't know but also the fact that he does it and does it at a super super high level is even more impressive so let me introduce you to the head coach of a team that had won They're 14-1 the season he is at this point in time the time of the recording of this podcast he personally is shut down uh because of COVID of course his team is not playing until the end of the month he'll talk about the break and as why it has nothing to do with COVID but let's catch up with the head coach of the yeshiva yeshiva university elliot's timeouts. okay so let's let's start right now you're speaking to me from where i'm home actually in my house in long island okay so you're in long island we're in long island i'm not i'm not stalking you oh, there's that one time no, 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 the... it's okay Wood- woodmere new york so you're in woodmere okay yeah. so five towns right five I, towns. my dad actually lived in hewlett we there you there. go right around the corner Sure. So, um, you have COVID. How bad are your symptoms? Not bad at all. I literally have like a little cough and that's it. Yeah. Are you vaccinated? Uh,
3: yeah, I actually got the booster two days ago also.
2: <laughs> you got the two booster and then you, get, then you got infected? that's the way it, That's yeah. the way it. It's how it goes these days. What, what has this been like for you? I mean, for people who uh, we kind of sold it in the open, like you guys are 14 and 1. You've built something really remarkable, but you know, you're in the midst of now you have some of your best teams and we're in these crazy times when you're shut down. Now teams are shut down. What's, what's that been like?
3: Um, so it's kind of been an interesting couple of years like that. I and mean, we were in the sweet 16, two years ago, first time in school history that we won an NCAA tournament game. And then obviously it gets shut down and you know we had 129 in a row. We were playing probably probably the best ball I've ever had a team play um, in my, in my years coaching. Uh, last year, obviously it was a shortened season and D2 and I don't remember if D2 had championship D3, never really got off the ground in terms of having a championship last year. So we were playing from the beginning of the year, kind of knowing it was going to be, uh, just playing a bunch of games and, and no, uh, no playoffs or championship at the end. And we got seven games in before things got shut down. Uh, this year we've actually managed to make it through obviously the first 15, which was cool. Um, and, uh, you know, now we're actually on a break anyway, cause it's finals and it's, um, uh, we go, we have a different break at Yeshiva. So we have finals now, and then we go into our winter break and we don't play again until the 26th. So, you know, I, I, see what's going on all around and I'm kind of, uh, starting to talk to other coaches and, you know, see who's going to want to play. If games start to get canceled out.
2: What happened with, uh, Illinois Wesleyan, you guys are 14 now you're undefeated, you got a winning streak. What happened? Um,
3: I think we, uh, you know, ran into, first of all, a really, really good team playing really well uh, on, on, on that night for sure. Um, you know, people talk about our, our strength of schedule and, uh, you know, some, some of the, you know, I guess the preparation going into that game. Um, in terms of our guys, you know, mentally being ready to play against a, a powerhouse like that from the Midwest. Um, I think from a talent perspective, we're right there. I think from a preparation and a, and a, and a physicality perspective, we have a lot to learn and a lot to uh, to grow from, from that game. Um, I think that game probably served its purpose in a big way. And I, and I hope we'll be able to turn around in March and say that. Um, but when we schedule those games, we schedule them because we want to be better in March. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we wanted to win the game. Don't get me wrong. I, I want to win every game we play. I'm not a believer and you got to lose one to, uh, to relieve the pressure. That's not, that's not what I believe in. But, uh, you know, sometimes you need to get punched in the mouth and, uh, we got punched in the mouth and hopefully it
2: makes us better in March. Yeah. You also you didn't hit three in the first half. You guys shot dreadfully in the first half in terms of jump shots. And then We did a sure. lot. A lot of that had to do with their defense,
3: obviously also, but no, we, we didn't make shots and, uh, you know, we didn't execute offensively or defensively in the
2: first half much. What is life like at this level in terms of, let's just say first travel, you're going to go to, when you go and play at, a, you said, you mentioned a powerhouse, right? Illinois West Lane. Where's, where is Illinois West Lane? Uh It's outside Chicago. I think it's about an hour or two from Chicago. So you guys, what have to go to, do you guys go to LaGuardia or JFK and then go to Chicago I and mean, you guys aren't chartering. So we're actually not going there this year. We go back there next year. They're not, they're not. This was at, at home. This was by us. So where'd you, now did you play a home game or did you play a neutral game? No, this was at home. Okay. So, uh, but when you, let, let's just say when you go on these trips, um, you know, like you're, you're, you're envisioning like Bull Durham, right? Like you're on, you go from planes to, to buses. Are you a bus guy or do you do a rental van? Do you do the vans? What do you do? So, so most
3: of our games are, somewhat local they're all possible. so most of our games guys are getting on a bus and uh you know if it's a longer trip then it's a coach bus if it's not it could be anything from you know a sprinter to a school bus when we actually travel a couple of years ago we went to uh to la you know obviously then we're getting on a plane and then you know renting a couple of vans and driving around um definitely not uh definitely not luxurious but uh we may, we
2: make it work your your background how did was was coaching yeshiva always something you wanted to do Coaching at the college level, I think, was something I always wanted to do. I was
3: I was coaching at Jewish high schools uh, from the time I was probably like twenty three, um, and I had some success doing it, and I, I really enjoyed just kind of being in that world. It's it's a world I'm familiar with. Obviously, I, I played in that world in high school. I played at Yeshiva, um, so you know it was a natural fit. Once the once the job opened up to kind of go and apply for it, you know, I wouldn't call it a dream, but it was uh, it was something I always you know definitely looked forward to.
2: When you pl- who was your coach when you played Yeshiva?
3: Uh, Jonathan Halpert. What was your experience like? Uh, it was really good. Um, I, I enjoyed it a lot. You I mean he was, uh, he was a great mentor to me. He was somebody he was, he was coaching there for about 42 years. Um, he really put that program on the map in the first place and, you know, brought us into the skyline conference my, my actual, my first year playing for him was our first year in the conference. Um, So he really he really brought that program kind of from, you know, an unknown into the uh, into the picture. And then, uh, you know, I've been lucky enough to have the opportunity to try to bring it forward a little bit.
2: How? How how do you how did he what did he do specifically that you thought, like, really helped in terms of the prominence? I think it was
3: the way he ran the program. I think it was the way he treated people in general. Uh, You know, players respected him, coaches around respected him. Uh, officials respected him and uh we were putting out a team every night that was competing hard that teams had to prepare for
2: always american jews or do you ever have, have israelis
3: no we have a mix um i have a couple of israelis now playing for me i had when i was uh when i was playing there a couple of my teammates were israeli we've had guys from uh from different countries in general i think we've had guys from south america in the past as well
2: are, are, are all now what percentage of players are jewish
3: on the, the undergrad is, is just about, I think the undergrad is a hundred percent Jewish. Um, you know, obviously the grad schools are not, uh, currently the team, every player on the team currently is Jewish. Have you, have you coached a non-Jewish player? Uh,
2: no, I don't think I have. Now, are there guys that have come that are like Jew ish, right? And they, and, and they you almost have to teach them what all the customs are, what the holidays are what the, you know, what the kosher things are, how, how, how often does that happen? So that, that's pretty often. Uh, I would say, you know, it, it's funny to say there's
3: diversity on the team when the whole team is obviously Jewish. But with, within the context of that, of, you know, of religion, we have guys from all ends of the religious spectrum. We have, you know, we have uh, we had guys uh, a couple years ago who were studying to be rabbis. Um, who are kind of on that, you know, very right end of the uh, religious spectrum. And we have guys with uh, tattoos and earrings who are coming from a completely different background that have no, you know, that are not observant and they're not, you know, keeping the Sabbath and and eating kosher and stuff like that. And we've kind of, you know, brought it in
2: and and combined it into
3: kind of one big happy family.
2: So when when you guys travel, I remember um, when I was at Notre Dame, and I was I wasn't the only Jewish athlete in Notre Dame. We had um, Mike Kopka, I think was the kicker, and uh Jesse Rosenthal was starting left tackle as a freshman, he's a close friend of mine. Um, and there were there were several other Jews. But I remember we played a doubleheader at the garden and yeshiva played, this is in ninety-five, ninety-six, and the yeshiva played before us. And my teammates were giving me grief because Uh, the keepers, they have that pin that keeps it in place. And guys are like, yo, if one of your boys drops a pin and I trip on it, that's on you, godly, because I know how they feel about (laughs) us Catholics, right? But a lot of it is, you know, just people don't know. They don't understand. It's, it's really, it's, it's really interesting to be, uh, you know, the world's oldest religion and to have such a lack of kind of knowledge or, of, (laughs) what what judaism represents what jewish people are like um in your experiences because at the d3 level you have some incredible institutions you have some state institutions you have a lot of christian schools as well what's it like being the, the jewish school it's different on a lot of levels
3: um you know and obviously we've kind of changed the rhetoric over the last few years where where you know i think um if if you would, if, you know, social media obviously is a lot, a lot newer of a, uh, of an explosion over the last few years than even it was, you know, 10 years ago. But if you would have, you know, been looking at social media 10 years ago, I'm not sure people would have been talking about, um, you know, Jewish ballers and, and using terms for, for, you know, th- those Jews can play and stuff like that. Um, and we're seeing a lot of that on social media some of it some of it's you know fun and and positive and nice, but then obviously you have the other end of the spectrum where there's a lot more exposure, there's also a lot more anti-Semitism. Um, sure. But I think it's it's you know I think every school in Division three has something unique about it and this is kind of what our you know what our thing is, obviously being you know a Jewish university and uh, you know our guys are you know they find themselves representing something that's a little bigger than the school and I think we've seen that in a big way over the last couple of years with the, you know, obviously the amount of exposure, but the amount of support, the amount of people kind of calling from all different backgrounds, um, and, and a lot of different places, uh, you know, even geographically to kind of show support. And, and even if they're not, you know, observant or Orthodox, uh, you know, reaching out and saying, Hey, uh, you know, we're kind of proud to watch you guys. And, you know, we're, we're putting on your games and I get like DMS on, on, uh, on social media all the time. People sending pictures, watching the game that I, I've never heard of in my life, so it's it's been kind of a cool thing, um, and I think it's been a little bit educational also for you know I, th- I think last week was a great example of that. I know I know we lost the game, but that that game with Illinois Wesleyan because of what happened around it was so much bigger than basketball. I, you know, there's there's a few hundred people in the Midwest that you know you know learn probably that 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 we're not so scary and maybe we're not controlling the weather.
2: You know what's what's interesting is. um so two years ago, you had this incredible team, incredible season. Of course, it's cut short. there no tournament because of COVID. And then I UC San Diego was, that was their last year in D2. And they were like 30 and one kind of at, at the time. Um, for somebody who played here and that has built this, and you had that team. And there's there's three teams that year that you felt like had the dream season. You guys, UC San Diego and San Diego State, right? And you all had to cut short. Now we're like two years removed. It's weird. I don't know if you saw this Rudy Gobert tested positive for, for COVID. It's like the, it's, it's like, what year are we in? Oh, like just uh, now? Uh, today. Yes. Today. <laughs> you just made, you just made me feel like the whole scene's over.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Crazy, right? Yeah. So, um, okay. So where, where were you guys when? Cause I, yeah, I'll tell you where I was. So, I was guest hosting for Cowherd, and I was getting ready to go to the Big Ten tournament, which was in, I think Chicago. And I remember we do these meetings at six. The Cowherd show, you do a like an hour, hour and a half meeting at six a.m. Shows at nine. And I remember every day sitting down, going like, "Hey, should we be talking about this COVID, this coronavirus thing?" They're like, "No, nah, it's bad news. It's not sports." I was like, "I don't know, man. I don't feel like this is not good." And then literally the last day, it was a Wednesday, I remember, because I was traveling the next day. Um, I was walking out and I was like, I'm telling you, we got to figure out a way to get this into the show just because we'll we feel like they're the only ones not talking about it. And some an executive who I'll, I'll leave out of this, um, lower level executive was like, look, it's sports. Nobody turns on sports to hear about infectious diseases that are in China, that started in China. And I was like, okay, but... So then the next day I get up and I'm literally driving to LAX to fly to Chicago to do the Big Ten tournament. And I get a Texas turnaround can- tournament canceled. And the Big East had a game. If you remember, they played, I think, the first half of their game. And then they called the tournament, right? So where were you during this? Oh, yeah. So I... I- he brought memories but
3: i i was sitting at a at the bar at a restaurant actually it was i think the day before we were heading out we, we you know we start early in division three where we start ahead of uh of division one in terms of the tournaments we had already won our first two round you know our first. Uh, Two games, our our first uh, whatever it was sixty four and thirty two. We had already won those games. They were the ones that were played without any fans. And and actually, it's in a weird way, COVID kind of put us on the map a little bit because we were the first sporting event in America, the Yeshiva game versus WPI on Friday afternoon in the in the Division three tournament in the first round. We were the first game to be played in America without fans because of the pandemic. And and what happened because of that all the NBA execs, all the division one execs, all like everybody tuned in, because not just, not because they wanted to watch the Shiva play, but they, they wanted to see what the game was going to look like without fans and how they were going to handle it, you know, kind of going forward if that was the path they were going to take. So, you know, we, we, we obviously had, a had two great games in a row and it kind of put us on the map because so many people saw it. But that next week I was sitting in a, in a restaurant at a bar watching, uh, actually watching the game or ESPN or something. And, um, as soon as that news came on, Rudy Gobert tested, tested positive. I turned to the two guys I was with, and I'm like, we are not playing. I know we're getting on a bus tomorrow to Virginia, but this is not happening. It's just we're going to waste our time. And, and I'm just, I knew it. Like, the way the world works, I knew we were going to get in the car. I was going to drive seven hours. I was going to pull up in the parking lot. And as I pulled up, they were going to tell us that we're not playing. And of course, I get in the car the next day. I drive to Virginia, checking like, you know, Twitter the whole way, see if there's any kind of breaking news from the NCAA. Pull into the parking lot of the hotel in Virginia. Tweet comes out. NCA cancels all championships. So it was. Uh, What's you know, it was Surreal. We. Yeah. Um, at first, it was a very disappointing. Thing obviously, it was more so the the you know having to tell our guys I and mean, you know you have, you have we had a lot of seniors. We had guys who we were playing the best ball we've ever played. Uh, we were feeling really confident, really good about ourselves. And then you have these guys who have kind of invested you know, for four years, you know, not just not just in terms of, you know, blood, sweat and tears and practice time and all that. But, you know, these guys are also paying tuition and coming to school to play ball. Um, you know, it's a it's a very, very big investment of their lives to do this and to get to this moment. And this was kind of the first time we were in the national picture. These are, this was that first class that I recruited that I brought in that kind of shared this dream that was going to do this with me. And we we were there. We were in the Sweet Sixteen. We were like game plan, ready to go. You know, we were going to win that next game, move on to the eight, and then we got to tell them. It lasted, I would say, less than a week that disappointment because you got home after that, and people started dying fast. And you kind of turn around and you're like, uh, we were upset about a basketball game, you know, and we kind of got over it real quickly, obviously. And then it really became a ga- you know, about trying to find ways to kind of help the community, doing Zooms with different, you know, schools and, and you know, speeches for different organizations or synagogues and just trying to kind of give people something like a little uplifting because the, the world was nuts. I mean, the economy was in the gutter and, and obviously people were sick. All of a sudden the basketball
2: game didn't really matter so much. Um, which is amazing because you know the the teams in San Diego they'll be like cuz you got they weren't in New York they didn't they didn't see just how bad it was when people yeah. were in that close proximity to one another
4: fox sports radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app search fsr to listen live this is it we've got an amex platinum pro on our hands ladies and gentlemen
1: At Luckylandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group, Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus turns and conditions apply.
0: Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new natural hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm. The Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values: premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart.
4: This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in the bathroom in my house. Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an up front price based on local data they get the difficulties that can come with home projects they get it why not make it as simple as possible get started at angi.com that's ang com, or download the app today
2: what'd you do like you what'd you do with your team that, that whole time these guys would what'd, what'd you guys do
3: so our, our guys went home because, because school school went on to Zoom right away. They 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 had, they had canceled classes. They did everything remote. So our guys, literally, some of our guys took Ubers from the hotel in Virginia to the airport and flew home to California, Florida, wherever they're from. Uh, rest of the guys obviously went back to school and then you know kind of made their way home from there. But um, that was it. You know, there was nothing else to do. We we basically did some Zoom meetings on uh, you know with the team uh, you know a couple times a week that just kind of get together and talk. But at that point season's over and guys are kind of moving on. So it was, it was kind of this weird, just blank screen ending.
2: In, in division three at Yeshiva, are, do are the guys, are they around all summer or is it, or is it different?
3: It is way different than division one. It's, it's a way different world. First of all, and, and mo- most division three schools at this point have full-time coaches. I'm not, I'm a lawyer. So I, I'm i at work all day. You know, we practice at like uh Six thirty in the morning, I get to the office by about thirty eight forty five. I'm at my law firm from like eight forty five till whatever time at night. And then if I have games or or film sessions or whatever, I'm either back in the school or I'm watching film at home. Um, it's just a very, very different world in, in Division three. I think way more than Division one. Guys are kind of on their own a lot more um, in terms of you know the the need for kind of extra work to get in, uh, you know, getting in the weight room, you know, we have a strength and conditioning coach, but it's, you know, we don't have one for the basketball team. We have one for the program. Um, so, you know, you might be getting an assignment and then you got to get in the weight room and you got to be self-motivated to go and do it. Uh, and it's the same thing in the summers. We, we have different rules in division one. We're not actually allowed to get on the court with our guys till October 15th. There's no small group practices. There's no personal training. Nobody knows. Um, and it's a big, it's a big argument every year that division three coaches try to make to get more time. Um, but, but there's you know for whatever reason there's stricter rules, and we don't really get our guys in the gym till October,
2: so when you got your guys finally the next year and you have a shortened season, and some guys can come back, you know they come back they they get that an extra year, what do they look like well, last
3: year when we got the guys back we we had seven yeah. games I mean that was it and and did you know it was did just, you know you only had seven games or like so the hope in the beginning was that we were gonna at least get a conference season in. And, and maybe, and the talk initially was that we would play conference season, no non-conference games, and then have a conference championship. And then obviously winner goes to the NCAA tournament. And then pretty quickly teams started dropping out of the conference and, you know, conference was like, okay, now you're allowed to play non-conference games to fill in the, you know, the slots. All of a sudden we were down to like three conference games. So now the conference season was gone and it was all about, Hey, schedule, whatever the hell you can. Um, and then just hope there's an NCAA tournament and you're able to find the way to qualify. And then, you know, pretty quickly after that, the, uh, division three NCAA tournament got canceled. And, you know, on top of that, we're, you know, starting off the year practicing with pods on different sides of the gym in masks, um, trying to run drills without contact. Um, and then, and then it's, then it was all about, right, starting to manage the pods based on who had already had COVID and no vaccine, obviously at this point, right? So we're, we're trying to manage who already had COVID in certain pods versus who hasn't. So that if a guy tests positive in one pod, we don't lose too many guys where we might have to cancel a game or forfeit a game or not be able to practice for two weeks. Um, and it became a lot more of being a mathematician than it did being a coach um, for quite a while. And and honestly, I think for our guys, it was a very, very tough and frustrating year. And, you know, and and I don't, you know, we don't take it for granted, obviously. There's a lot of programs and a lot of teams who, who did not even participate and did not play, which was a shame for their guys. Um, and I give a lot of credit to our institution and a lot of credit to our guys for kind of showing up and finding ways for them to kind of keep it safe and and find ways to play. But it was a
2: very difficult and stressful year in that regard. Um, well, up until this recent shutdown, right, where you mm-hmm. lost the game against uh, Williams and now, uh, you, you know, you yourself contracted COVID. Was this year different? Were you back full, or were you guys back in masks? Like, what what was it like for, for you?
3: We we were back full, um, and you know we're we're actually we're not shut down now at all. We haven't gotten shot. Thank God, we haven't got not gotten shut down at all because of COVID. We're actually just on our natural finals break now. Wait, so what happened? I thought,
2: I thought you guys were supposed to play yesterday. I thought you were supposed to play the fourth.
3: Oh, no, no. Okay. So that, right. That was not, that was not our shutdown. We were supposed to play on Sunday, actually. Sunday, we were supposed to play. That was, that came from the other side. That was not our shutdown. Um, It it did work out timing wise for me, obviously, but uh, we, um, we actually, we were were pretty normal this year. We came into the season, you know, obviously guys have to wear masks, I believe in the, in, in the buildings, I think at school, but not in the gym when we're on the court. Um, Even on our benches, we didn't, you know, we didn't have to wear them on the bench coaches and players until recently. Um, we had fans in the stands at a limited capacity, but, you know, I think it was like, I think the number was 70%, which in a small gym, like ours is still pretty loud, especially when it's getting packed up every night. Um, so, you know, fans were in masks, but they were still loud and it, it was, there was a pretty good, especially considering what last year was like, there was a pretty good sense of normalcy, uh, over the first, you
2: know, 15 games so far of the season. It's, uh, I have to say it's been pretty awesome. It's a lot of fun. You mentioned that. The class two years ago—that was your first class. Gabe was Gabe in that class. Yes. Okay. Did you know he was going to be that good? I mean, was it? What was the like? You brought in a class, like you know, like this is a dude right here.
3: Yeah. No. We 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 knew, and and th- no, there's a reason he came in actually halfway through. Um, it, it was the first year we went to the NCA tournament, so it was, I guess five years ago now um, in school history we were a little bit struggling kind of going into the break and we knew he was coming in halfway through and we were just kind of trying to keep the, uh, you know, the ship afloat, knowing that we were kind of getting this guy in um, and he comes in literally as a freshman halfway through the year and just dominates the conference the rest Wait, of the why, way. Why, doubles, why halfway through? He was, he was, he did a gap year in Israel and he actually did an extra six months. So he was there for about a year and a half and then uh, came back in, in the second semester um and joined us and I think we went I want to say twelve and one down the stretch. I think we lost the first game at the buzzer that he played. Uh and then I think he was
2: a double double the rest of the way. It's crazy. I mean crazy to to not be not just not just to join as a freshman, but to not be with the team. It's not like he had to be sharp, you know, or he was going twice a day. And then all of a sudden he hops in and he's just a he's just a baller. Um I mean, fair to say that's a guy that could have played at a higher level. I think so. I think we have probably four or five guys who could
3: have played at a higher level. I mean, obviously, we have the, uh, the kid Terrell who's getting talked about a ton now and, and getting, you know, professional looks from a lot of different levels. Um, Gabe, I think, had had some, you know, Ivy and Patriot League looks coming out of high school. Um, we have a couple of other guys who had Division One looks. We have one guy on our roster who was on a Division One roster for uh, for three or four years and now is here. Uh, as a grad student. So, you know, I think that's part of the reason that we've had success is we've you know, been able to recruit a little bit at a higher level than, you know, than, than our conference or our division um, in terms of bringing guys in and, and, and we brought in the right guys. We brought in guys like Gabe who are winning players who, you know, have high IQs and, and they just, they play the game the right way.
2: So what's, what your, what's your personal sale? Like when you sit down, when you sat down with, with Gabe or his folks, when you're recruiting, recruiting kids, you know, and they're going to have to pay their own way, you know, and now you're going to be in in New York where, where, you know, there's, there's still lots of restrictions, things are shut down. Um, What's, what is your sale that's allowed you to build this thing? Yeah. I mean, part, part
3: of it is New York city. Um, You know, part of it is uh, I think the, you know, it's become a lot easier, obviously, once we started winning, it was a lot harder five, six years ago to bring guys in when, when this, you know, we haven't won anything and, and, you know, you're just trying to kind of sell guys on a dream. Um, but I think, you know, when, when we're competing for guys, it's, it's an interesting situation. We, we don't really compete much with, the, with other division three schools, um, in terms of recruiting. Uh, we are usually getting, either we're getting guys who are, you know, let's say they're Orthodox Jewish, if they're, if they're, if they're Orthodox Jewish, they're most likely going to yeshiva if they want to play ball. It's just where they're going to go because it's the easiest opportunity in terms of not worrying about their restrictions and not worrying about, you know, Sabbath and kosher. And, you know, they're in New York City and there's Jewish community and all that stuff. So that's, that's pretty much easy. You know, then, then it's a question of, you know, some of the higher level guys and, you know, whether they're Orthodox or not and you're competing with division one schools, you're, you're trying to sell them a little bit on the, on the opportunity to play right away. Um, the, you know, now, now, looking at the exposure we've gotten over the last year, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here on your podcast and, you know, we've had, we've had a number of, uh, of different articles that have been, um, you know, pretty, pretty, uh, uh you know, you know, you know, out there in terms of, uh, in terms of exposure for us and, and you're selling guys on that, on the opportunity, you know, Hey, you can go, you can go be a mid-major maybe you'll play, maybe you won't, uh, you know, maybe you'll even be a starter and get 15 a game. But if you come do it here at 20, 25, a game, you know, ESPN and NBA and then Wall Street Journal and New York magazine are going to be tweeting about you. So it's, uh you know, it's, it's, it's an opportunity for guys to kind of have, you know, still a chance to play high level, uh, play right away, maybe not ride the bench at, at a D1, um, you know, but, I am very big on telling guys if the one's your dream you got to chase it like you know it's it's hard to sit here and tell a guy to turn down scholarship money turn down an opportunity to play division 1 if that's their actual dream but if guys are talking about fit and and you know wanting to play at a high level um and maybe doing something special and
2: being part of something special then you know there's something to talk about there it's really interesting you know when when I brought you guys up because I follow you guys um I wouldn't say every game, but I've, I've been following. I've been watching as I think anybody who's a basketball guy, especially somebody who's Jewish has, and just like, holy cow, they've become really, really good. And uh, we were talking about the kid that signed at Jackson state and how, you know, um, my, you know, what, what ends up, it gets uh, misconstrued. And what my point is what you're saying, like, look, if your dream is to play the guys that have succeeded from HBCUs it wasn't, it wasn't like I chose an HBCU over Alabama and right. I, it was, it was, they were small or they were unseen or for whatever reason, they live close and they didn't want to go away from home. And, and they went there and that there's just a, a difference in the resource, a great difference in the resource. And I, obviously the NCAA hurts you guys by not even letting you work with the kids, even if you wanted to in the off season. Um, but how big it how big a challenge is the resources in terms of for yeshiva specifically in terms of what you need to be successful? Obviously, not being full time hurts you. Yeah, um, but uh, what about the rest of the resources? Yeah, it's, it's a major difference. And I, and
3: I saw it firsthand, actually, a few years ago with my, with, I mean, my son plays baseball, not basketball, but, you know, I, we went on the kind of, uh, recruiting, uh, on, in the, we were in the recruiting world on, on that end, you know, for a while on the baseball side. And we were visiting schools and ACC schools and some of the bigger schools in, in the country. And you see the resources that, that these schools have. It's, I remember we, we walked out of a visit at Wake Forest, my son and I, and we were, we were heading back to the airport and I looked at him. I'm like, You know, if you go pitch at a place like this, there is absolutely no excuse not to get better every single day. Like there's right. just no excuse. You, you they, have, they have they have a freaking pitching lab with like they, they have they have a room where you can like virtual reality see the guy you're facing the next day and and actually like time your pitches as a hitter and they have a lab where they put all these electrodes on you and they can tell you exactly where your foot's hitting the you know the you know the the uh, the mound and at what force and it's just it's crazy and like you you know and obviously you know you walk into a division three facility and, or, or yeshiva there's a gym and there's a weight room um, you know and there's a trainer and there's a track. Uh, and it's like, hey, you know, figure it out. And by the way, you know, your your coach is going to be here for two hours in the morning, and then he's available for you by phone the rest of the day if you need him. Um, you know, but that that's kind of it. So, you know, there there's there's definitely a little bit more of a self-motivation factor. And 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 by the way, there are some division three schools and we've we've been to a few of them that have some, some beautiful facilities. No some of the state universities and some of the Midwest, you know, schools have absolutely amazing facilities that probably, you know, rival some D one facilities, probably probably are nicer than some Northeast D one facilities as you go out west. Um but it varies. And 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 there's no doubt the the amount of attention and the and the amount of time that is you know invested in the athlete um at the division 3 level is 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 probably is is less um and i think i think that's a credit obviously you know certainly a credit to the division 3 athlete they 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 have to be self motivated to get themselves to a certain level you know i look at i look at our guys and i look at you know i look like i, I look at a kid like ryan trell who has really put himself on the map nationally in a big way um, to a point where you know, we we have NBA scouts at games, and we have obviously you know foreign scouts at games, and and people are looking at him for the next level. And this is a kid who does not have a full time college coach working with him every day. Um, has hit the weight room on his own, spends his off seasons working his ass off, getting stronger, hitting the weight room, you know, doing drills, and he has really, really put himself out there, which I think is uh, which I think is
2: a cool thing. Um, what's what, what kind of lawyer are you, by the way? What kind of law do you practice? I do uh, commercial real estate. I have a firm with a partner, actually, here on Long Island.
3: Are you as good a realtor as you are a basketball coach? I hope I'm a better real estate lawyer than I'm a basketball coach because I make a lot more money doing real estate than I do doing basketball.
2: Still, I mean, so how do you, how do you balance that? I mean, I, I looked at it, don't get me wrong. Like I've thought of like, dude, all I do is a radio show. If I didn't do the games, like what, you know, could I, could I, could I do it at a, at a D3 level? Like how did, but how do you mentally balance it with? Cause, cause as, as a former player, I know you're, and, and as a long time coach, I know you're like this, you get done playing a game and you're seeing it over and over in your head, right? Oh, you don't need, you don't even need to watch it. Like you can see it 15 times over, but like you have a job, you have a whole other life, you know? How do you balance what's going on in your brain and what you actually got to focus on?
3: Uh, it's interesting. So it, it, it's it's not easy. First of all, there's there's a lack of sleep for six months of the year. That's for sure. Um, you know, but it's funny that people talk about uh, pregame nerves and what it's like the day. Somebody asked me recently in an interview what it's what's my what my days like leading up to the games. How do I handle my nervous energy throughout the, the day uh, if I have an eight o'clock game at night? And the answer is simple. I don't have that issue because i am at work and i'm busy and i'm dealing with clients all day and i'm jumping into the car checking ways to make sure that there's not too much traffic for me to leave my office at a certain time and get to the game you know an hour and a half before the game starts and you know not have to worry that if there's traffic i won't get there till half an hour before uh, you know i'm so focused on you know kind of the day by day you know dealings at work that it takes that whole dynamic out of it Um, and in general, I think it's, it's, it's just like that. It's, you know, there's, you, you learn how to kind of, you know, uh, just compartmentalize, yeah, yeah, different, you know, different parts of your day. So I know when I'm at work, I'm focused on my clients, on my deals, on my papers and whatever I'm working on. And I know when I'm at practice in the morning, and that's why I love that we have practice in the morning, you know, it's great to kind of get out of bed and, you know. I mean, it sucks waking up at five o'clock, but you get there at six thirty of the gym and, and they're yours for like an hour and a half, two hours, and you're just purely focused on that before the rest of the day starts. And it's just you know it's it's a nice it's a nice uh, it's a nice start to the day and a nice opportunity to kind of teach and, and, and get these guys prepared and then kind of go focus on my day at work and then deal with film at night. Um, it just becomes kind of a, you know, a little bit of a juggling of different things. You know, my father used to say it all the time. You want, you want, you want to find somebody to to get something done for you. You find the busiest person and ask them because they know how to manage time. And I think something I've learned over the last few years for sure is how to
2: manage time. That's amazing. Um, are you a coffee guy in the morning? Like what's your, you get up 5am 5, 5 is, is, is when your alarm goes off. Yeah. Okay. So then you homebrew or do you stop at the same place every day? No, I I usually
3: uh, either either I, I do it on the machine at home, or I'll it depends on my mood. Sometimes I'll try to stop by a Dunkin' or a Starbucks on the way. I'm not like particular about my coffee, but I, I gotta. No, I'm not. I'm not that. I'm not like. A, I'm not I'm not like a OCD guy at all. So in all, at least in that regard, I am in a million other ways. But with my coffee, it's like as long as I have it, I don't really care. You okay. know
2: what it is? I don't I don't like the taste of it. I just feel like I need it. Well, yeah, coffee is a lot like plain tea. I have a buddy who's from, uh, from the South, and he often says plain tea has one purpose in life to be sweetened. And I believe that coffee is the same thing. Coffee, black coffee has one purpose in life, and that's to be sweetened. Right. Uh, but do you go black? You just go, that actually probably would cut down your coffee intake. You just go black coffee.
3: That probably would, you know, I don't, and I don't really drink that much. I really really have one cup in the morning and that's it. Occasionally if I'm just feeling it during the day, at some point in the middle of the day, I'm getting that drag. I'll have a second cup, but uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a milk guy. I used to be like a two sugar guy. I'm down to kind of one or half, you know, I've worked my way down. I don't know that I'll ever get down to the black coffee, but uh, we're we're certainly trending that direction.
2: Um, Okay. How restrictive is it with some of the Orthodox guys in terms of the difficulty in in getting them every day there and because they have there's other things as part of their religion that they have to do so it's a it's obviously a lot easier at yeshiva just because the
3: the school is built around it um and our schedule is built around it so you know we don't we don't have games that are scheduled friday night or saturday afternoon our games would be you know thursday night or saturday night or sunday so you know we're we're kind of built a little bit around that it makes it a lot easier um but there are you know different challenges right we have got we have a dual curriculum we have guys who are doing Talmud and rabbinic studies that are maybe you know spending a little bit more of their day uh you know than a regular student athlete is at a at a, you know at another school um and then you have the Kind of you know in in our world for some reason guys all get married at you know twenty, twenty one, twenty two, 22 and you know half these guys that are are, you know calling me up hey do we have practice this night i have a wedding and then oh i have another wedding next sunday and then i have a wedding on tuesday and you know then we're dealing with the whole wedding schedule but there's you know in terms of the holidays and and kind of the differences in general from 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 the religious aspect it's 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 already built in based on the school it's, it's kind of the outside things that we're kind of managing a little bit more that, you know, probably a lot of people don't have to deal with
2: the best coach in division three that nobody knows about that, that we went not we're going to take yourself out of the argument that you go against this guy you or you watched him and you're like, man, that guy's so good. So, <laughs> And That's tough because now right everyone
3: in my conference is going to watch this, and then <laughs> um, there's a guy
2: because the- because maker maker was at Williams and it didn't work at Maris, right? I just, um, but I mean he was killing it at 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 Williams, um, but again you know it, <laughs> at the end of the day it does come down to players as much as much as plays, but there has to be somebody that you'd be like you know what that guy is really really good. So I, I'll tell you, there's a, the at at Mount Saint Mary's
3: up in Newburgh, uh, Ryan Katalbowski is um, does a great job, and he's a guy that I you know we we've played over the years, and regardless of what their talent level is over the years, and they've had some years they've been very good, and some years where they just have not had a lot of talent. We just always have a tough time. They prepare. So he does such a good job preparing for us. And, and we, I just feel like every, every time we win a game, especially up there, but in general, when we're competing against them, every time we win a game, I always walk out feeling like, man, I got to find a way to do a better job. That game shouldn't, that game shouldn't have felt like that. Um, and then obviously when we lose, we walk out of there and be like, I, I, I got to figure out how to prepare like that guy. Um, I think he does a really good job. His, his teams play hard and they, They just have no quit, no matter what's going on in the game. There's no
1: distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
4: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry?
2: <sighs> Ooh, a book club. <sighs> Computer solitaire, huh?
4: Ah, <sighs> oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, forward prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert.
4: Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today.
2: Do your guys cuss in Hebrews so that they don't get technical fouls? No, they're not shy. They cuss in English like everybody else. I know, but if you curse in Hebrew, they don't. They, 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 they can't catch you. We used right? to have that when
3: I was when I was playing. We had a few Israelis on the team, and they used to like to try to call the plays in Hebrew.
2: Uh, definitely cursed in Hebrew. Uh, it was a different world. Now it's not as much. Now guys aren't shy. You know what's what's funny about the Hebrew thing is, and when you play in Israel or when you live in Israel, you go there. Like all of a sudden, you'll you'll have people that you're having a conversation and they'll break it. They know you don't speak Hebrew. They break into Hebrew. So you're lost in the conversation. Like, Whoa, what are they talking about? Like, they're probably talking about you. That's right. Right. Probably yeah, it's true. It's funny.
3: I actually I spoke pretty good Hebrew growing up and, um, I spent, I actually spent the gap year in Israel and I, I, I was pretty good at it, but it's, uh, kind of a little bit lost on me lately and i, I don't i don't have it as well as definitely as, as much as i used to but uh i, I remember on those macabia trips over <laughs> we there same same idea you know we had all these guys they never heard a word and you know all of a sudden you're meeting the israeli contingent and they're like uh all, you know talk, it, it, the conversation starts off you know they speak english and then all of a sudden they break into people
2: like uh yeah we know you're talking about us Exactly. It's, it's exactly what, what, what takes place. Um, you mentioned you guys have this natural breakdown, right? And you don't play again, I think until the 26th, if everything goes as planned. Right. Um, so does that mean when they're off, when do you get them back and start training with them again? We bring in, we're bringing them back. Or, I mean, it's early, but it's not early enough, but we're bringing them back on the
3: 19th. Um, so we'll probably get about five practices in before our first game. Um, and then we get kind of right into it. We play, I think, every two to three days after that for the next like
2: three, four weeks. What's the craziest reason behind a guy not making it back from home that you've been given? Um, probably a guy waiting for his sister to have a baby. Okay. Yeah, it's like you, it, it's not really a thing, dude. Like, you got to kind of but you can't say it but you got to got to feel it right like, that's,
0: mm. like yeah,
3: maybe maybe get on the plane and come back to practice and then you know you can go back there and you know if you need to for a day or whatever it is but uh you know maybe It's like your, it's not your baby just wait not your
2: baby yeah exactly yeah
3: but that uh, was uh that was one of the that was one of the did you have to ones. go did
2: you have to stay for the bris? Is that so we had to stay for as well i got to stay for the Briss. Uh,
3: yeah i think i think that as well yeah I, but but that's the thing like i don't think they knew if it was going to be a boy or a girl so it's kind of like you're you're waiting for a couple of days, or you're waiting for two weeks. We don't know yet. Toughest venue to play in. Toughest place to play for us has probably been, uh, probably been Farmingdale State. We're Where's that? Long Island. It's it's Long Island Farmingdale. Um, it's a little bit out east on Long Island. They're they're a conference team. Big rivalry usually. Uh, both teams have been very good over the last few years. We've, we've seen each other, I think in the conference championship or playoffs, I think each of the last three or four years. What's the gym like? It's big. Uh, you know, ours is like a bandbox. theirs is like a, you know, a little bit more of an arena style gym, big, you know, bleachers on both sides. It's like an old airport hangar, and it's pretty new. Yeah. And, looking at it is really weird. Nice. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's weird. And does it have a tartan floor? Or is that a wood floor? No, like I think it?
3: He, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I can't even remember. I think it's wood. But it's not it happens to be a nice, Jim. Um yeah. we just for whatever reason we we you know we struggle there and I mean a lot of it has to do with
2: them being good too. The the championship this year is where? D three championship is where? Uh, I believe it's Indiana. Yeah, so they're. I think they're bringing. They're bringing all the championships to one yet, or is that? Is that? So champion? they they were. Do, that was what. They, that was
3: what the goal was two years ago when things got canceled. I, I think they're back to that, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, I always and I try very hard not. And I know it's cliche as hell, but I try very hard not to look that far ahead. I try so hard to not even like look at the
2: dates or I don't even know when the final four is. I don't even. Yeah, know I think it's anymore. it's in New Orleans. I didn't even realize until recently it's in, in New Orleans. So now, if you guys go to Indiana, are you going to take them to the? Who's your champ? That would be a cool trip for us. I mean, if that's, if, again, if that's where it is, I don't even remember
3: for sure. I, I could, I could totally be off on, on where it is, but if that's where it is, that's probably something I would try to do with them.
2: That's amazing. Really? That obviously you don't know where it is. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to give you shit.
3: I I No, no, no. I, I could care. I literally, I purposely don't ever look like I just am not. I don't like, if you ask me right now, when our conference playoffs were, I have no idea. I'm not up to it.
2: What would it mean to you personally to lead your alma mater with an all jewish team to a d three national title um, yeah that would be that would
3: be obviously the dream that would be pretty cool um you know it's 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 not so much about what it would mean to me as much as it would what it would mean to these guys and not even just the guys that we have right now it's the guys we had two years ago who kind of you know, we we had a couple of guys a few years ago who graduated. They didn't yeah. just pave the way. They they like they bought into what I wanted to do. Like when when I said to them when I was recruiting, like, "Hey, mediocrity mediocrity is not going to be the goal anymore. Like, going five, we're not going to celebrate being five hundred. We're we're going to put ourselves on the map. We're going to win our conference. We're going to go to the, you know to the NCAA tournament, and we're going to we're going to win games and compete for a national championship." And you know, whereas most people laugh, like even even in my interview when I interviewed for the job at Yu, and I kind of laid that out. People looked at me like I was crazy. A couple of guys were like chuckling, uh, and I was and I was dead serious about it. And um, you know, I, I you know, there were a couple of guys that I recruited that were seniors that year who were like, "Yeah, coach, that's what we're going to do. We're coming. We're coming there. We're coming there to do that. That's what we're going to do." Um, and you know, that's that's kind of you know snowballed for us, you know, to where we've you know built the team that we have now. Uh, that kind of grew out of that. And, and I think to see those guys, if I get to see those guys react. To being in that situation, that'll mean everything to me.
2: Um, do you have any desire to be the full-time coach, or do you like this setup? I kind of, I, I do kind of like this setup. It's, yeah, you know, I, I love my law practice.
3: Um, I have good clients. I like dealing with them. Um, there is a part of me that likes the fact that this is a. It's a passion. It's something I love doing. I love coaching. I I I could do it at the high school level. I could do it at the college level. It doesn't make a difference where I am. I've always loved doing it. Um and, you know, there's a part of me that likes the fact that it's, you know, a passion and something that I'm able to do, you know, call it on the side as much as it, you know, we, we call it part time. It's full time hours and a part time job. But um, you no, know, there's a part of me that likes that balance to life and and having different things to uh, to focus on. You know, it doesn't mean I would, you know, you know, at some point be against it, but it's uh, it's something that I that I really
2: enjoy that balance right now. Um, when somebody plays your teams, what do you what do you think they walk away saying? I hope they walk away saying that you know that's the most selfless team
3: we've ever played against like those guys share the ball those guys help each other on defense um and th- those guys are really out there for each other because that's really what we preach and it's it's kind of the way our guys live um and I think it's really what's made us successful over the years is that you know we we've had some really good players we have some great players right now um and there's not a single one of them
2: that that wouldn't give up numbers to to get more letters yeah, that's, I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing at how, when I told people I was going to have you on how everyone knows, and not just like Jewish basketball players, like everyone knows it's become a thing. Like I had no idea that they were, they were that good. And it's only really been the last three, four years where you, where you would say you're on the map. It's, it hasn't been a, okay. So then the, the, the goal is not just to be competitive, but to be consistent, right? Mm-hmm. what's the challenge in that? Like you, you mentioned it's about bringing the right kind of guys in. The good thing is the pool of players doesn't really change, but there can be some really talented guys that maybe don't fit into how they're not your OKGs, your kind of guys. How do you, how do you build it? So you consistently win, what's the secret? And, and we've had that issue over the years. We, we've had guys
3: that we thought were really, really talented who wanted to come here that we've turned away. Um, you know, and, and we've seen some of them go to division one. Uh, and they're and they're that talented. We just we didn't think they were
2: either. We didn't think they were winning players. or We didn't think they fit into what we were doing from an attitude What's, perspective. We, you said sorry for interrupting. You said winning players, and I love that. And I yeah. but my belief in winning players might be different than yours. What are mm-hmm. you looking for? That what signifies a winning player? A winning a winning player is, is to me is an attitude. It's 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 you know look. There's
3: always got to be talent. You know you want guys who can put the ball in the basket. You want guys who can get stops defensively, but you want guys who Walk to the bench in a certain way. You want guys who sit on the bench in a certain way. You want guys who act on the court a certain way on outside of the basketball stuff, right? So it's how they talk to their teammates. When I watch film, even, even when we're watching our own games, we're not just watching the game and right. And, and not even just the typical, Oh, I'm watching how players react on the bench to see who's kind of pissed off. They're not in the game versus supporting their teammates. Even how guys are on the court, like I love to see on the court, for example, when, you know, if I, it, you know, G- Gabriel Leifer, who is, you know, almost averaging a triple double and, and could probably score 20, 25 a game if he wanted to and is averaging about 10 a game this year. You know, he'll be sitting in the post and, you know, one-on-one situation, but pointing over his shoulder to the guy behind him because he's about to go set a back screen for that guy. He's not going to get an assist, a rebound, or, or a point on that play. But he's pointing to where he wants the ball to go because he sees ahead of what's going to happen in terms of how the defense is set and he goes and screens a guy for a basket. That's a winning player. And you don't have to be his level to be a winning player. We've had guys who nobody has heard of. I had a guy named Tyler Hoad who played for me for four years who graduated two years ago. <coughs> Excuse me. And, you know, Tyler, not the most talented player in the world, one of the hardest working kids I've ever been around. He. Started off the year as a, when he was a sophomore. It was the first year we went to the NCAA tournament. It was about four years ago. Starts off the year, literally one of our last players off the bench. Did not play a single game minute the first five, six games of the year. Kept working in practice to a point where I was like, ah, I got to throw this guy in a game and see what happens. Ended up being a starter in the in the Skyline Championship, in the Conference Championship game, and in the NCAA tournament for us. Uh, he was just a winning player. He was just a kid who did the right things on the court. And it had nothing to do with stats. He just always did the right things and and acted the right way. And sure enough, in uh, the semifinal game two years ago before the pandemic at home, up three with under 30 seconds left, he ends up defending uh, their best player or their best shooter. Um, And the kid goes into the classic, uh, you know, Dwayne Wade, James Harden pump fake from three to get you up in the air and try to get, you know, draw the foul. And being a winning player in the right spot, right place, right time. Tyler kind of just stood his ground. Kid jumped into him. He ends up taking a charge. We win the game. So, you know, it's guys like that. It's not, it's just not, it's, it's, it's more than talent. It's just, it's more about kind of how you project on the court and off. Um, and those are the guys we want to get because those are the guys we, we can teach them what we're doing and we'll find enough guys to make shots. But if we have guys like that, you know, especially when there are talented guys and our skill guys, um, we feel like we'll be in a really good spot.
2: Elliot, I hope you feel better. Uh, nobody it. likes, nobody, nobody likes being sick. Right. I mean, forget, I mean, obviously COVID bad enough, but just the idea of being sick, is just, ugh, you know, um, and I cannot wait to see what you guys look like, hopefully on the 26th. And I gotta, I gotta see, I gotta come see you guys play. You guys are, you guys have officially become a thing. Officially become
3: <laughs> Dude, I appreciate that. And definitely, uh, let me know when you get there, I'll get some parking. You definitely need it up
2: there. <laughs> yeah, I, I would I, w- I would guess. Thank you so much for joining me and uh and feel better. Thank you so much. Appreciate you having me. Well, that was uh that was awesome. What a fascinating look. We'll we'll continue to bring you the best, the most interesting people in all of sports on the Doug Gottlieb Show, three to six Eastern, twelve to three Pacific on your iHeartRadio. Uh, Our iHeart app, foxsportsradio.com, Fox Sports Radio, Sirius XM 217 or 203. A lot to get to. In the meantime, uh, remember, we're going to keep bringing you the best college basketball, NBA, high school basketball, legends. Tell a friend about it. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball.